Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Back on Radio Row, if you're looking at it on CBS Sports Network, check out the mountains. There's the Hollywood sign. It is great to be here. Welcome to the program. We are coming to you live from, well, not the Rocket Mortgage Studios, but rather the L.A. Convention Center, site of Super Bowl 56. But what you want to remember is every score change during Super Bowl 56, somebody's going to win 50 gur, 50 grand in the Rocket Mortgage Super Bowl Square sweepstakes. See rules and enter for free at RocketMortgageSquares.com. What's up? So if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, check it out. Not much going on behind me right now, but you know that will change. It's Monday. It's early. We are on on Radio Row. It's so good to be back. I've been thinking about this. I think that I've probably done this now 30 times. The over-under has got to be 30 times. Over-under 30 times, but this is the very first time I've ever driven to Radio Row. Once way back in the day when the Super Bowl was in San Diego. And by the way, the Super Bowl has not been in L.A. in about 30 years. So this is something very unique and very different. What I want to do, first off, is set you up. Like, I'm in a different spot. It's going to be a different show, but your drill is still exactly the same. In other words, don't jack it up. Don't sit here and wait for me to do all the work. Get in here early on, because once the week starts to progress, you're going to have no shot whatsoever. Monday is the best day to get through. We've got some open windows. Things are here. If you know what you want to talk about, hit me up right now. It can be about the game. It can be about anything at all. Just come strong, man. Have a take. Don't suck. Today is not the day to suck. It is officially... Thank you, Alvy. Alvy's not here yet. If you hear Alvy popping a step your game up and a do-do-dude, understand that he's not here yet. He's still back in our studios. So what we're going to do is we're going to move guys in and out. Some of the staff, no names mentioned, freaking Alvin, put in for it a year in advance. Oh, Alvy made it clear to me that, hey, yo, dude, boss man, I have never once been to Radio Row in all these years. I want to come this year. Yeah, well, did you put in for it, Alvin? Yeah, a year ago. So Alvin's not here today, but he will be here. So the drill remains exactly the same, right? Part of the staff is back in our studios. Part of the staff is right here. Your telephone number is unchanged. It's toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. I'm still banging telephone calls this week, at least early on. In the meantime, if you want to hit me up on social media, you know that works at Jim Rome, and you can still email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitake.com. Tommy D is here, so what I need from you, Broham, wherever you are, I need my links. Give me some links for the call sheet and for the callers. All right, in addition to that, we've got a really good guest lineup. The show is different this week in the sense that when I'm back in the studio, you know what the formula is, you know what we do. I come out, I rant, you send me terrible takes, I read them, I rant some more, then I get a guest. Radio Row is totally different. Today is the closest thing to a normal day that you're going to get because there are some windows open, as I mentioned. But as the week goes on, it's a super intensive interview week. And the reason I do that is it's a one-off. We only do that once a year. So I would not make a habit of going bam, bam, bam with the guests, but I'll do it when we get here for a number of reasons. Now, back to the original. I want to say that I was racking my brain trying to figure out how many radio rows I've actually done, and I think the over-under has got to be 30, honestly. I think this is the 30th time I've shown up. In fact, I've done this so many times. I used to hit the row before it became the row. 
<laughs> it was not actually technically a radio row. So this year we've got one. If you look behind me, and again, if you're watching on the simulcast on CBS Sports Network, you can see there's a lot of social distancing. People are not here yet. It used to be back in the day they would take everybody and slam them together right up against each other, but that no longer makes sense for obvious reasons. In terms of the Super Bowl itself, it's a little unusual that the home team is hosting for the second year in a row. I mean, not too unusual because they did last year, but a little unusual in that it's only happened twice. What's unusual for me, and I don't want to make it about me, but what's unusual for me is this is the first time ever, with the exception of back in the day when the game was in San Diego, that I've not gotten on an airplane to go to Radio Row. It's like the damnedest thing. I drove to the row. I've never done that before. I live about an hour south of here. I mean, literally, if I wanted to, I could make that remote every single day. It's not what I did. I holed up in a hotel. But it, that's what's really different about this. You know, the Rams set that thing up. They built the $5 billion building. And as I've said throughout the year, and especially on the NFL Today and CBS, they did not build that building not to play in that game in their house. So everything that they did has come to fruition, and they are here. So from that standpoint, it's a little unusual, but mostly unusual that I can get up, or I could have, and drove to the row every single day. But that's not what's happening. Very weird not to get on a plane to go to the row. I'm not complaining, but just something totally different. If I've done 30 of these things, it's the first time that I've ever actually driven to the row. Totally. Totally. Trash. Thanks, Alvy. Just want to make sure you're, you're there and you're paying attention. So I am holed up in a hotel all week because it is a business trip. All right, so one more thing again. Even though you might be new to the program or maybe you're just now finding the program, this is a very different sort of show that you normally would get on this program for a couple of reasons. One, I drove here. But two, in terms of the guests, why do we do that? Why am I not ranting? Why am I not getting off on everything? I'm going to get those things in for sure. But the reason we go guest heavy this week every single year is twofold. One, I do want to do something different. I want to change up at least once a year. And number two, you get access to guests, frankly, that ordinarily you wouldn't get access to. Now, the flip side of that is they come in here and they have pitches. They have items. They have things they want to sell. So once you get past that awkward pitch, it's pretty awesome that you have access to guests that you ordinarily would not have. Or even then... There can be a guest that I've got access to normally, but it's a different vibe when you do it in person. I mean, I've just noticed myself, having done this as long as I have, people show up in a different way when they show up in a different way. The interviews go much better when people show up in person. Better for the interviewee, better for the guy doing the interviews, better for you, the listener. So that's the reason we do it on Super Bowl Row. You try to get a radio row. You try to get as many people as you can physically in person. So it looks better, it feels better, it sounds better, and I want to prepare you for that. If you're new to the program, it's a mostly interview week. Now, in terms of the matchup itself, the good news is we've got an entire week to talk about the matchup, and we'll get lots of different points of views on it. As we get to it, let me talk about the Rams and the Bengals for a couple of moments. In the meantime, again, your telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. When you talk about the matchup itself, the Rams and the Bengals, You know, if somebody had said to me prior to the start of the postseason, I mean, not prior to the start of the season, prior to the start of the postseason, that these two teams would be in there, I would have said, man, you're out of your mind. That's just not going to happen. Yet here we are. Here the bleep we are. Here we are. For the Rams, 
it's not that surprising because we've been talking about this. They did everything they possibly could and went all in and took every big swing necessary to put themselves in a position to be exactly where they are right now. I mean, regardless of how it plays out, and you know they're looking to finish, you know they badly want to win, just getting here means that all of that worked. It's not good enough, and they're not happy just to be here, but to make the deals that they made, to bring in Jalen Ramsey, to bring in Matthew Stafford, to get Eric Weddle to come out of retirement, to get Vaughn Miller, all these moves, all these gigantic swings, and most teams would be afraid to make one, and the Rams did all of it, was to get to this very position. I know they want to finish. I know they're here to win. They're in it to win it, but it's already worked. What they've done has already worked. It's already a successful season. What I'm saying to you is Les Snead is an absolute legend. My man has got a big brass set. Oh, and Odell, too. Let's not forget about Odell. For everybody who thought that, man, this guy's selfish. He's not what he used to be. He's not the same player. He's not worth the trouble. This guy absolutely is worth the trouble. He's had an amazing impact on the Rams as the number two guy playing opposite of Cooper Cup. So that's another move that worked out. And they're playing well, and they're playing at home, and they're dialed in. So in this sense, this was exactly how it was supposed to go for the Rams. In terms of the Bengals, this is something different now. The Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals are playing their asses off, and you know they're not afraid. You know they've got a stone-cold mother bleeper under center who has impacted the entire culture of the entire team and the entire franchise. I mean, the whole organization. I mean, how rare is that? One thing, if you're Tom Brady, to roll in there and have an impact on the entire organization, I'm talking about Joe freaking Burrow doing it in his second year and doing it off a major injury. Like, this dude is so cool, and this dude is so different, and this guy is so special. Like, I already invoked TB44's name. I'm not going to do something totally moronic and compare Burrow to Tom Brady, but I'm going to compare him to Tom Brady in the sense that (laughs) He's like a young Tom Brady. I get it. He's a goat, and Burrow is seven rings behind. I'm just talking about where these guys were at that same age. Obviously, Burrow was farther ahead. But I'm looking at Joe Burrow, and what I see is a young Tom Brady, only he's cool. I'm looking at Joe Burrow, and what I see is a young Tom Brady, but not a total nerd like Brady. So far be it for me or anybody else to compare him to Tom Brady already, but I see some similarities. Except that he's not a nerd. Right? And then in terms of the quarterbacks, you're going to hear a lot of storylines all week long about the matchup itself. And one of the storylines, obviously, is going to be about the quarterbacks. you got Joe Cool doing what he does. And then you've got this whole Matthew Stafford thing, right? That this was what Stafford wanted. This is what Stafford wanted when he got Detroit to send him to the Rams. i got a question for you. Right now, if you had your choice, given your druthers, Right now, who would you rather have a quarterback, Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford? I mean, not building forward for the next 10 years. I mean, right here, right now, who would you rather have, Burrow or Stafford? I mean, the answer might be Burrow already. Not that the Rams are here without Stafford because they're not, but I think that's a fair question. Who would you rather have? In terms of the game itself, for those of you who are into this sort of thing, I've been watching that line move around during the week, and it seems like right now it's settled at four points. So if you like the Bengals and you like them straight up, you can get some real value with them. And there is a lot to like about them. If you think the Rams did not build this building to lose at home, then you're going to have to lay some points. You're going to have to lay probably four. 
And then ultimately, just something to think about as we start the program off and the week off, what's the game going to come down to? The quarterbacking, for sure. And then the play in the trenches. In other words, if you're Cincinnati, and I did do this. I was at the AFC Championship game with the NFL Today on CBS in Kansas City. And when it was time to make a prediction, I swerved way out of my lane to say, I love Burrow. I love the Bengals. I love that they're here. They're not beating Kansas City. And one of the reasons they're not going to beat Kansas City is because all those turnstiles they have up front in the offensive line is not going to give Burrow the protection he needs. Come to find out they did. And then when you saw that second half adjustment that they made where Burrow went to a bunch of quick hitters, quick passes, he got it out quickly, then the pressure wasn't there. So if this guy has any time at all, he's going to kill you. And even if he doesn't have any time, he's still going to kill you. The Titans sacked this guy nine times, and he just gets up every single time. Like, what? What? Yeah, that's what I thought. And then there's another dime, another dart. So nine bottom line, if you protect this guy, he's going to do a lot of damage, bro. And if you don't protect him, he's still going to do some damage. Now, albeit, the Rams have got some guys that can get home. The Rams have guys that can pin their ears back and get to the quarterback. The Rams have a certain pass rush that the Chiefs do not have. So that's going to be a different element. I'm just here to say that it could be won and lost in the trenches. If so, they've got to give this guy some time. But Burrow is the really, really rare, rare cat that even if he doesn't get a lot of time, he still makes plays. He makes a lot of plays. Oh, and one more thing. Now would be a very good time to stop sleeping on that Bengal defense. They also get home. And by the way, they get home with three guys. And they get home with four guys. They don't have to get really exotic about it. They don't have to send the whole house. They got a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes did not deal well with that pressure at all. They got a lot of pressure on him without sending everybody. So I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup, the matchup in the trenches. One more thing I want to say about this matchup, too, before I go to break. This may not be the matchup that you all wanted. This might not be the matchup that you're all looking for. Maybe you wanted to see Mahomes again in Kansas City. This might not have been your first option, but I'm here to tell you, it's a damn good game. This is a really good game, and I'm not here to show for it. I'm not here to show for anybody. I've got no dog in this fight. I mean, like, literally, if one more person asked me, hey, hey, Rome, who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Like, I've been answering this question for 30 years. I don't care. Believe it or not, I don't care. I don't give a damn. I do not care who wins. I don't have a favorite team. My favorite team is team content. All I care about is I get something to talk about for three hours the next day. I do not care. I don't have a dog in the fight. That said, I love this game. I love this matchup. Don't sleep on the Bengals. Again, if you like them a lot and you think they're going to win, you're going to get a lot of value. You'll get four points. And number two, it's a good matchup. You got some new blood. They shocked the world. The Rams are exactly where they need to be. So I love it. Clones, the big game is coming up, and Omaha Steaks has the perfect package to save you over 50%. Now, I've been an enormous fan for years. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to enjoy an unforgettable game day meal to be loved and shared by all. And for a limited time, Omaha Steaks is offering a special touchdown game day package. Visit omahasteaks.com, type in the keyword gym in the search bar, and take advantage of this exclusive offer. Are you looking for more? Omaha Steaks makes it easy to warm up your winter with 50% off lean, tender steaks, and hearty home-cooked favorites. Visit omahasteaks.com, enter Jim in the search bar, and order the Omaha Sampler Package.
you'll save over 50%. Plus, you'll get 12 Omaha Steak Burgers free. Every order is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee and delivered safely to your doorstep. Omaha Steaks, the leader of gourmet steaks and food since 1917. No one comes close to matching their flavor, tenderness, and value. That's omahasteaks.com, keyword Jim. Now, my next guest, this does not apply to him at all. He's good no matter where we put him. I mean that in the best also way. Also very bookable. And and he's bookable. No, I mean, no, he's a very good friend of the program. He used to be a part of our daily show, and he shows up no matter what. I'm talking about Dan Wojcicki. He covers the Lakers for the LA Times. He was a panelist on our daily TV show back in the day. And, yes, he is a friend of the program. Dude, good to see you in person. It's good it's to see you. It's been a while. How you I'm doing? looking for the Greyhounds now. If they're, if they're for- yeah, who, who do you got in the fourth race? Uh, Santa's little helper. Yeah. The, the, the best greyhound uh, based of all on what time. A, a, a dog for course his pedigree like I don't even know how so to I'm handicap the bathroom, dogs so I'm going to the bathroom before the race oh he dumped before the race a little lighter yeah there you go yeah. we like that in horses too I got a system alright you got a system everybody's got a system <laughs> alright dude what about your system for life how you living man bring me up to date dude I am good I uh, can't complain um, around the Lakers a lot right now so that's like a nice up and down roller coaster like every day um, tons going on there. Uh, kids at home. Mr. B, you know, the, the, the unofficial dog of this show, I think. <laughs> you know, Mr. B is wearing me out. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, man, it's I uh, can't complain. Uh, really quick, how old are the kids? Two and a half and three months. Uh-huh. So we're, we're in it. Luckily, good sleepers, both of them. Is the two and a half up and moving around and talking he, junk? And he doing... is obsessed with sports. Really? Obsessed specifically with jerseys and, huh. like, uniforms. So, like, loves to wear. He's wearing a Japanese baseball jersey that I bought him in Tokyo have during the Olympics him, have right now. you found him a trade yet that he's going to have to work to earn money to pay for that gear? I mean, we're banking on him being, like, a pretty prolific lefty. Was, you know, like dude, he, I was gonna say, did you put everything in his left hand? He's a lefty, okay. and he's redheaded, so he's like inspired by Andy Dalton too, okay. which was great. He got to see a lot of Andy Dalton this year. Dude, More Southpaw Ginger. This I kid. know, I know. What could go wrong I, in I, sports? No, I'm gonna buy stock. Like I was so caught up that I had it in my mind before we had our first son, Jake. I'm like, this is the plan. My sister tie it behind the back. Yes, we're yeah. putting everything in his left hand. But then we got home, and I didn't remember that until he turned like five. Yeah. By then it was too late. Yeah, he is. Um, He's okay. Like he's a pretty good athlete. Like I'll every. How do you know? Every, Two and a half. How do you know? He because he can hit bombs. Like we we put the tee up in the backyard. Like he's cleared the fence a couple so, times. So you're that dad, dude. Yeah, you're that I am. Dad. I'm in. Okay. Well, he's also on HGH too, Jim. Of course. Well, he and well, he should be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're working. We're clear, working early. He's yeah. got a he's got a full beard already. All right. The, the clear HGH. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that, thanks, that's man. how you do it. Thanks. Every every dad should give their giant kids head on that baby. Add that to my list of things. Once I was telling a story, Dan, <laughs> that I once I wanted to say something on the radio to prove a point that no matter how absurd it is, yeah. somebody will buy it. So I made the statement that every father has a dream that their daughter ends up in porn. All right, maybe a little more appropriate sure. back in the day, but I mean, probably that's not the case. Probably, so uh, probably not to, true. If yeah. I were to say to you, dude, you're doing a great job. Every dad should give their kids roids. Some a-hole would call me up and say, "Hey, man, how are you on the radio? You should not even be on the radio." Somebody <laughs> would buy that. It is a, uh, and I still think it's sound advice, though. <laughs> you're not even that, that opposed. <laughs> yeah, right? no, it seems like it seems like, you know, as long as it's like physician sort of approved, and you can find a doctor. Anywhere, right? Or, or just get on the internet. Just get on the There's internet. There's a lot of doctors on the internet. I, I'm legally able to perform a wedding. I uh-huh. can probably get steroids to, Let, to a There job. you go. All right, I see you working. All right, so let me ask you about your Lakers. They beat the Knicks in overtime on Saturday. Yeah. LeBron was back. He had a 29-point triple-double. That's the good news. He was good. Bad, he was good. Bad news, Frank Vogel benched Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook in overtime and went with Taylor Horton Tucker instead. 
Is this, in fact, rock bottom for Westbrook in L.A., or could he plummet even further? I don't know, Jim. That's a, that's a good question. It, it It's such a complicated situation because, like, on one hand, blame falls on Russell Westbrook. He's not playing well enough, right? And, and the, the sort of volume of his mistakes, you know, as we watch this clip, is this the off the backboard? Yeah, sure. Okay. So, like, we've seen this a couple times, and it's just like, you know, and then he gets in his own head, and he's hesitating and stuff like that, which, like, you know, Russell Westbrook is a guy who – at his best sort of doesn't think it's just kind of like brick to the gas pedal go as fast as he can and and let chaos sort of unfold and and generally he has done well in that chaos now take take his role with the lakers which is to be sort of complimentary right like he's never complimented anybody ever i mean like i guess durant really early a little bit they go to the finals and stuff but really every russell westbrook team is a very russell westbrook team and now he's trying to figure out how to do the little things, right? How to operate in the margins. Well, like this dude is 35 point, you know, bold font. Like he doesn't work in the margins. I, I mean, dude, is he trying to do that? Is I think a guy so. like that even capable of changing? I don't know that he's capable of changing. I, I believe that he's trying and he's trying to do the right thing. And that's when you see like these clips of him getting the ball and like he's wide open and he wants to shoot, but like the crowd doesn't want him to shoot and he kind of like hesitate. That's him thinking. And, and that's, that's not good for them. They don't want they don't want him to be a slow down sort of player. They want him to be himself, but at the same time, because you have LeBron James and because you have Anthony Davis, like you have these sort of hurdles to him being himself. It, it's I mean, it's probably a broken fit. Sort of what we all said when right, they made the move. When they made it, it's kind of played out that way. Dude, if we all knew that, then how did the guy who brought him in, LeBron, not know that? Well, because he's fixed every problem that's ever been put ahead of him in the NBA, uh-huh. right? Like, I mean, he made it Not work. Not this one. He made it work with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. He made it work with Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. Like, why not be able to make this work? And, I, I mean, I don't think LeBron James didn't think he could figure this out, right? And, you know, look, they've only played think- seven. I would say, Jim, they only have played 17 games together, which uh-huh. is, like, the weird sort of part of this. But th- it's not like there's a ton of evidence in those 17 games, even though I think they're 10-7, and seven, to be like, Oh, like, watch out for this team. Is that what they're – Dan Wojcik is my guess. Do you think that if you hit LeBron and said, hey, man, be real, be real and be straight, if you hit him and management with that, do you regret making this move for Westbrook? Would they say it's only been 17 games? Or deep down do they know that this was a big mistake, it doesn't work, and it's not going to work? I mean, I I think deep down they have to know, right? They're, they're three or, two or three games under 500. We're 55 games in the year, right? right. Like, like, this isn't a team that's designed to, like – you know, if things go right, they might be the sixth seed and not have to be in the playing game. Like that—that's not the bar for success for this team. Like this is a team like you—you you try to—they're—they're they're a title team. Like it's like either they win the championship, or the season is a failure. So by by that amount, I mean, I mean they have to know right now that like they're not in a good position. I think the glimmer of hope that they have, and, and it still exists, and and this is why it's such a frustrating team to cover, and and maybe a fun team at times, is they just show you just enough. Right. Like they're just like they tease like sort of their potential, just like maybe for five, six minutes a game. And like you have to remind yourself, yeah, this is happening against the Knicks or like this is happening against the Pistons or something like that. Um, you know, you have to remind yourself when this is occurring. But like they just show you just enough. I'll and you're kind of like the, the, eh. the one thing I stopped doing, I stopped playing that game of. All right. So now they go. Now they can throw the switch. Mm-hmm. They beat this team. They did this. Yeah. Now it's go time. But it's not go time. They go back to 500. This is who they are. This is where they live. This is what they are. I, I'm not caught up in that game of, okay, now they get it. Now it's time. Let's go. They I, are I think this is who they are. They are an everything has to go right 
team from this point forward. And like, if there's one thing we know about sports, right, it's like everything usually doesn't go right. And you have to have contingencies. And like, that's the big miss in the Westbrook part was like, he was the contingency, right? Like the big part of the reason why they made the trade is because last year when Anthony Davis got hurt, when LeBron James got hurt, the team went in the tank. And they weren't able to play without those two guys because even though they thought Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, and, and, and those guys would be able to carry the load, there wasn't enough star power there, and they, they couldn't handle the non-LeBron, non-AD minutes. So they thought, well, here's Russell Westbrook. Like, he, he has put teams on his back. He put Washington on his back last year in the second half of the season. Like, he can do this again. And I think the tricky part is, is that you can't ask a guy, hey, carry us sometime. And then the other time, Stand in the corner and, and, and don't get in the way. Dude, have you ever seen a superstar go to shoot the ball and have the entire arena audibly gasp? Like, dude, bad. dude, don't shoot it. It don't was shoot bad. It. Yeah, like, it I've was, never it seen was, that before. It was a bad moment. I mean, he got booed after that off the backboard three. I mean, their hat, that's been sort of building, Jim, over there. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit like with, you know, he'd get the ball, he's and, open. Because teams don't, I don't guard care him. how tough he is mentally. Don't tell me that's not in his head. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah, has to be. I mean, because you see it in, you know, you see it in the hesitation. That's that's the evidence, right? Is like, you know, and look, and good on Russ. He came and talked to us after the game, said, all that matters is that we won. Yeah, I wish I was out there, but, like, this isn't about me. It's about our team. That's great. But for the Lakers to be a good team, it's not going to be with Russ on the bench and Taylor Horton Tucker playing crunch time that, that that's not the recipe the recipe has to be russell westbrook as a tippy top guy in the nba and they haven't gotten him there they haven't figured out that way and it's going to be with it, 80 playing the bottom way line, can they this podcast is brought to you by direct tv stream i love this product i use it now let me ask you this does this sound familiar you've got the one device that allows you to catch the game live Another one that lets you stream your favorite programs, you watch sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, log in for all the good stuff. Listen, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Can they get him there, or is he just no longer that guy? I just I don't think he's that guy with this team. Certainly, um, there there are little, like I said, little shreds of evidence that would suggest like maybe things will get better, um, improve continuity with you know if they were able to stay healthy. Which, by the way, we're talking about Anthony Davis and you know thirty seven year old LeBron James. So if they are able to stay healthy, is a jump. But if if those three guys are able to stay healthy, maybe they figure some of this stuff out over the next thirty games. I think. You know, Russell has always been a player who's gotten better as the season generally has gone along. He's a better second-half player, so maybe that's something too. But, I mean, this is a roster that, that to me, when I, when I look at, like, the Warriors or, or, you know, the Bucks who we'll see on Tuesday against the Lakers or the Suns, you know, it's just like those teams just make so much more sense. Dan Woyke, my guess, what about this? You can look at their rosters or you can look at the actual standings, mm-hmm. and they're, they're a lot closer to the Kings than yeah. they are the Suns and Golden State Warriors. This all right? is all respect for LeBron James, by the way. Like, that, like that's where that, I think that's why people feel this way, and it's funny when you talk to 
execs around the league and you talk to scouts, like they don't talk about the Lakers like they're a ninth place team, right? Like there's still like kind of this feeling that because of LeBron James and because what we've seen, like, and Anthony Davis, by the way, who over this, since he came back from his knee injury has been like the dude that the Lakers thought they were trading for, right? You know, 27 and 15, 27 and 17, like that kind of an impact player. But, you know, they were they were one and four in, in that stretch. LeBron comes back like, you know, they go to overtime to beat the Knicks. Like, yeah, great that they came back, but they also were bad enough to fall down by 21 to the Knicks. And they were also bad enough to squander a seven-point lead in the final, like, 70 seconds because nobody could make a free throw. Like, it's just a flawed team that has terrific, you know, LeBron James doing, a, like, a, a historically good old guy season. And it's yes, just not good enough. I, I agree with you. They're a flawed team, and they gave up a hell of a lot to get Russ, and they're paying yep. him a hell of a lot of money. And if they exercise his option next year, there's a lot of money there. I mean, it's neither here nor there, but what if they had gone after Buddy Heald? Like, how, how different would they look right now? Yeah. Where would they be? Had they done that? So I'm not a Buddy Heald guy. Okay. Like, like in general, right? Like, I think. Why not? But I just think he's a guy who's, you know, there's no real history of him winning. And like part of that is the Kings. And he's just kind of a one-trick guy, right? He, he shoots threes. And, like, they need shooters. But he doesn't really help you on the defensive end, et cetera. That all being said, I, I think you touched on something, though. It's not just, like, what if they'd gotten Buddy Heald. It's what if they'd used those pieces to right? get anybody. And, and that's where the secondary part of the Westbrook trade is really kind of you know, crush this Lakers team. It's not just that Russ isn't playing well. It's just that it's what you, they gave up. And you can't do anything else now to fix it. Right? Like so as we go into this trade deadline, um, I was talking to some sources yesterday and like the issue is with the Lakers is like they can't even put together the right salaries to, to make a trade. It's very hard for them. Like they've got Kendrick Nunn who has played zero seconds. Would, would, this they, year. would they move Russ if they could? I mean, I think so, but, like, if they could is, like, a, a real big and, – and look and – Because they can't. Let's just even say they wanted to. They don't really even have the right players to attach, you know, to, to for a team to make that palatable, you know. And, look, they are still – because they have LeBron James today, I believe, still, their best path forwards. It's not with John Wall. It's with what they have now and hope that these, you know, these lottery tickets hit, right, these scratchers, like that, that we can figure out That's everything. It. That's so, Like, that to me still see seems it. like the best, but – it's it's the lo- longer than Santa's little helper in the in, in the third out here, really. Yeah, that 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 dog won't hunt. That dog's not going <laughs> to win. So really quickly, Dan Woking, my yeah. guest. How do you explain then the Clippers playing the entire season without Kawhi Leonard yeah. and huge chunks of the year without Paul George being ahead of the Lakers in the standings? I mean, I think roster construction is part of it, right? Is like they have tremendous depth because they they didn't settle themselves with three max players they have two they've got an owner Steve Ballmer who's willing to pay the tax that's why they were able to do the Norman Powell trade get a little bit better there bring back a, a local guy San Diego UCLA you know who's under contract and, and will eventually be a really good complimentary player to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and, and I just think like they just sort of know who they are like they are a team that is going to have to play harder than you they are a team that that, that is going to have to be tougher than you whereas the Lakers I still think like you know I mean this is a roster that has players that we view as being really, really talented. I mean, four of the top 75 players when the NBA put their list on those Lakers, a fifth in Dwight Howard, who had a, probably a pretty good case to be one of them. And, and you know, they say we get everybody's best shot every night because of that, and I don't know that I buy that. I mean, I think a certain level is they look super vulnerable, and that's why teams want to kind of pounce. But, yeah, I mean, good on the Clippers. Great flexibility, great coach in Tyron Lue, um, who's made this work. And I think uh, – you know, good ownership and good management. I mean, you put all of that stuff together, that's how you, you're in this position. All of that being said, though, Jim, the LeBron James AD gamble did result in a banner. 
And, and, it, and it, it's sort of and like you can't take that from them, and mm-hmm. it did. But when you talk about good management and ownership, what do you make of all the drama with Jerry West and Jeannie Buss yeah. and Jeannie leaving him off that top five list, them reportedly revoking his lifetime season sure. seats? I mean, seriously, how beneath the Lakers is this? How bad is that optically, and how do you do the logo like that? It's a, it's just a good reminder as to like what the Lakers are, and what I mean by that is like they are not a corporate entity. Like, it is a family business. You know, it's succession, like, in, in some ways at the top, right? And that means there are personal beefs. Dude, how good is that show? It's amazing. Isn't that a great show? Didn't succession. watch it, by the way, didn't watch it till we named our youngest Logan. Like, we'd already named him Logan, watched the show, and we're like, oh, no. So, so you feel, okay, so I named, we named our youngest Logan, too, and I think he was like eight before he got a name because Janet and I couldn't agree on any names. But now that you know that, are you happy you named him Logan or not? I, I'm not sure. I right. hope that's not his catchphrase, too. Like, I, we're going to start hearing that his first words, you know, then the, we're going to get F-bombed. Hopefully so, man. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think, like, that old dude's ruthless, man. <laughs> Jim, I think that's sort of the, the general sense, though, right, is that, that that's how this stuff occurs, right? If you're this big corporate entity and stuff like that, you've got PR people on PR people that are telling you, like, let's not make this happen. Let's, let's not have though, personal beefs. Though? I mean, this is common sense. It's like also you, pro Like, you too. ripped Jerry West season tickets. Like, somebody did that <laughs> and did it via text and not to him but to his wife. Like, I know. Like, like do we need an actual corporate-run entity to prevent that from happening? It is a stay-out-of-your-own-way situation, right? Just give him his tickets. This is not a hard thing. Just have the tickets. All right, so finally, if you had to say right now, Dan, who's coming out of the East, who's coming out of the West? I, I still like Milwaukee, I think. And the, they are, to me, the team that makes the most sense. Giannis has been terrific. And, man, this isn't exciting. I'd say... I, <laughs> All right, I'll, I think the Warriors. I'll take the Warriors. And, and, and the Warriors' bet is that Draymond Green gets healthy because and, and, he is such an important player to that team. But Klay Thompson kind of coming along, Steph Curry, I still think – and, and they've resisted this kind of behind the scenes. They have, like, the pieces. If they wanted to do something, like, really crazy by Thursday, like, they're the team. Like, they've got everything. They've do you got, think Bob Myers would? Knowing Bob Myers the way you know Bob Myers, do you think he would? They're a very loyal organization, yeah, and, they, and, and, and they value continuity and stuff like that. So I don't think so. But if the right situation was there, I mean, they're a team that could add a star player. They've got the, they've got the pieces, and, you know, you look around the league, there aren't that many, like, really competitive teams, at least, that, that, that are in that position. So last thought, tomorrow night you mentioned the Bucks, Lakers, Bucks right next door at the Crypt. How do you see that game going? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the Lakers will – I think the Bucks will win, probably. If I mean, you know, like that's it's just no sort way, of, dude. I know, right? Like I'll take the team that's at the top of the standings versus the team that's in the bottom. But, but you won't take Santa's helper in the fourth <laughs> on that dog track. to show. I'll take him to show. I'll take okay. the Lakers. I'll take the Lakers to place tomorrow. <laughs> Damn, <boy. laughs> All right, he's covering the NBA for the Los Angeles Times. He was a daily panelist on our daily show back in the day. That's a little redundant, but most of all, good friend of the program. Dude, good to be here, man. Young dad, good to see you. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Who wants dried 
Tough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You can follow him at Pro Football Doc. It's Dr. David Chow. Doc, what's up? Good to have you on the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Rome. It's good to have you. All right, so we got a lot to cover. Let me ask you this. At the very top, it is Super Bowl week. So when you take a step back and you look at the relative health or the overall injury status of both these teams coming into the game, which team looks healthier to you? And then how do you see it impacting the game? Well, typically, the teams that make it all the way to the Super Bowl are on the healthier side, right? That's one of the reasons they make it. That's why the Bucks didn't make it, et cetera. Now, overall, you know, of course, we have the two tight ends, and we can get into those. We have Whitworth on the left side. But the right side of the Bengals' offensive line at tackle and guard are probably the biggest concern. So there is a slight edge to the Rams. Dr. David Chow is joining us. All right, so I was going to go there first anyway about the tight ends. You've got C.J. Uzama, and he was pretty emphatic, Doc, about saying, well, I'm going to play. I didn't come this far not to play. Kind of take a, a sense or give me your sense as to the severity of the injury that he suffered in the AFC Championship game. And if he does play, what kind of a contribution are you expecting from him? Well, you're absolutely right, Rome. It's not just a matter of does he or doesn't he play, but how well will he do? And and we talked about on the Pro Football Doc podcast today after the championship games that uh, if this were like week 10 of the regular season, and they would not be playing week 12. Both Higby and Uzuma have MCL sprains that are significant enough that if this were a regular season situation, I don't think they would be playing. But this is the Super Bowl. Look, I've been a host physician a couple of times. I have not been lucky enough to ever been a team physician for a Super Bowl. But I hear from all my colleagues that uh, there's some special healing powers in those two weeks before the Super Bowl. Terrell Owens, you name it. Uzama's right. He's not, Uzama's right. He doesn't want to miss this game. He didn't come all this way to do this. He's a longstanding veteran of the Bengals. And, uh, you know, be a tough one for Zach Taylor to say, okay, uh, you're not playing in this game. Normally, if, you know, you're 50, 60, 70%, maybe you sit because there's a next week. In this game, if you're 50, 60, or 70%, you're going to try and play because this is it for the year and you can recover in the offseason. How effective he can be is going to be a different story. I think he could be effective straight ahead, but side-to-side cutting, especially part of the route tree to, to his right, so because it would be hard for him to plant on that left knee, might not be there for him if he tries to play. Dr. David Chow is joining us. You can follow him at Pro Football Doc. All right, so, Doc, what about Higby on the other side? He also suffered a knee injury in the NFC title game. The injury did not seem to be quite as severe as Uzama's. What's your sense as to how those injuries compare, and then what would you expect from him? Well, we've heard a lot more about Uzama and his wanting to play. We haven't heard too much about Higby. I think they're comparable MCL sprains, different knees. Higby was the right knee. I thought Higby perhaps had a better chance to play and be effective than CJ, but we'll see. I mean, look, normally neither one plays, but I think for this game, they're both going to try and play. Uh, it is the end of the season, so uh, the parameters are, are different, and uh, who wants to tell them no? They've been key parts and, you know, big games for them. 
Dr. David Chow is my guest. All right, so what do you make of Andrew Whitworth, and how did he look to you in the NFC Championship game? How healthy do you expect him to be on Sunday? You know, we reviewed the film, and we wrote about it at Sports Injury Central, sixscore.com. We didn't think he looked that good, and uh, he carries a relatively low six score in the 70s for us. Uh, he doesn't look that good. He got pushed back, bull rushed. He wasn't himself. But he's got two more weeks, but you do have to be careful about his quad injury where he was did not practice. He should be healthier for the Super Bowl than the conference championship. Pretty amazing that he's 40 and doing this, not to mention my guy Eric Weddle at 37 playing safety. <laughs> Weddle's absolutely incredible. I love seeing that he's taking this shot and that he's giving it everything he has and, and is having an impact. Dr. David Chow, my guest, let me ask you about Cam Akers. Now, he tore his Achilles in July, but he was back on the field on January 9th. He had 54 carries in the postseason so far. Before we get into what he looks like on the field, what is your reaction to the fact that he made it all the way back that quickly from that particular injury? Uh, congratulations and hard work. Good job by the Rams medical staff. But you're right, he's not 100%. You know, we've had some examples of six months returns before. Terrell Suggs, I think, did it. Cam Akers is a great explosive back. I think he's just been good so far. Not great, and he's going to get better. And look, with Sony Michelle wearing down, Cam Akers not 100%. Let's not forget about the other guy, Daryl Henderson. He might get a bunch of carries in the Super Bowl because I think he will be healthy by then. We're talking to Dr. David Chow. We're looking at who's going to play and who's not, how effective they might be. As long as we're talking about comebacks, it was not that long ago that Joe Burrow was lying on the field after tearing his ACL and his MCL. How do you explain the fact that he's been able to return and not just return but to play at the level that he's playing and leading his team to the Super Bowl? Well, once again, hard work and rehab and uh, doing a great job. When he went down, we said ACL, MCL, and we talked about the patella component. And there were some national pundits that say, you know, he, he's not going to be back for the beginning of the year, or some that said he should sit out 2021 season. We said from the get-go, don't expect a lot out of him early season. And remember preseason, he barely took a snap, and he was rusty, and, and honestly a little gun-shy about his knee in the early weeks. But as we expected, by the second half of the season, he rounded into shape and form. And as a matter of fact, I think he's been moving very, very well. Don't be surprised he even has a bunch of uh, scramble or run yards because of that offensive line in the Super Bowl. Dr. David Chow, my guest. Once again, you can follow him at Pro Football Doc. So to that point you just made, let me ask you, how much of a successful recovery from an ACL or an MCL tear is about the physical side of the rehab, the hard work, and then how much of it is the mental side and just trusting the repaired knee and then playing without fear? Well, I think it's both, right? When Joe Burrow's in the pocket, he can't worry about his knee. He's got to be looking downfield. And another good example is Odell Beckham. Everyone says, oh, the Rams rejuvenated his career from the rounds. I don't think it was as much the Rams or Matt Stafford as his knee. He was coming off an ACL, has rounded into shape and rounded into form the late, later half of this season as well. And so it's the timing of the knee, the mental aspect and the physical aspect both. Yeah, so, I mean, part of it might be fit, but I think you're right. I, I would agree with that. I think that part of why Odell is playing as well as he is right now is he's healthier. He feels better, and there's a good fit, and he's comfortable there. Let me ask you this. When he— And there's another reason, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the other reason. In Cleveland, you could say he was the 1A or 1B. With the Rams, he's the number two. Right. You have Cooper Cup. It's a lot easier when you're the number two, so there's part of that, too. I want to— yeah. 
I agree with that, and I want to give him confidence or credit, I should say, for accepting that because a lot of people would have said he'll never accept that, but he has. He's embraced it. They love him. He seems to love it. Let me ask you this about him. How, when he has confidence in the knee and he can make quicker one-plant cuts, how much does that change his game and then transform the Rams' offense overall? Completely. You, you can see all the touchdowns he's gotten with the Rams. You know, there was one play with one step cut on the left, the injured knee, and he left the cornerback in the dust by three yards and was wide open. Uh, that's absolutely the key, the one-plant cut. And, you know, decelerate, one-plant cut, get in and out of your cut, and you're exactly on it, Rome. That's, that's the difference between him now and him earlier this season. Dr. David Chow joining me for a few more moments. I want to go back to Joe Burrow. So he's still dealing with a pinky injury that he suffered against the Chargers. Have you noticed any impact on him at all as it relates to that injury? Does he look different to you at all? No, not at all. And, and you know, you don't really look. I'm not an NFL quarterback, but I've dealt with him a bunch. The pinky is not that important for grip. Uh, and uh, Matt Hasselbeck even at first said, oh, the pinky, this might be a deal. And then he, I remember him saying, it was halftime, and I went to the backyard. Yeah, you don't need your pinky. So I don't see this being any issue for Joe Burrow. Hmm. He, Doc, what about the thumb, though? Like Jimmy Garoppolo was carrying a thumb injury for a while late in the season. Drew Brees had a similar injury, and he needed surgery. He was out for six weeks. How do you think, or how much do you think that injury impacted Garoppolo? A lot. The thumb was a big deal, and that's he changed his throws. His grip wasn't there. Uh, kudos to him for playing through. Obviously, that's where the 49ers wanted to go as opposed to rookie Trey Lance, but that was a lot to play through. Still expecting to have off-season surgery like Drew had during the season. The thumb is the most important by far, uh, followed by either the index or middle, depending on how you grip the ball and where you put your fingers on the laces. The pinky, not so much, but the thumb is a huge deal. Dr. David Chow, my guest, for a few more moments. All right, so we're on the outside looking in, but if you had to guess, you kind of touched on this when you mentioned Trey Lance. Can you infer anything about Lance and how prepared he might be given that the 49ers continued to play an injured Garoppolo as the starter and really didn't even put in a package for Lance? Does that make you think that maybe he's not as far along as the team would like him to be? Well, I'm glad you're saying it, Rome, because that's kind of what I was hinting at without trying to get hate from 49er fans. I mean, you gave up a lot of draft picks to get Trey Lance. Uh, your starter, Jimmy G, is not 100%. I mean, look, uh, not trying to compare. Yes, he's a rookie in the whole deal. But if Alex Smith in Patrick Mahomes' rookie year was injured going into the playoffs, I think they would have given Patrick Mahomes a chance, right? They had confidence. So hopefully it works out for the 49ers and Trey Lance, but right now they didn't seem like they had the confidence to play him in the playoffs. I don't think that's an unfair statement. I don't know exactly what's going on. I haven't spoken to him. I haven't seen him practice. I haven't seen him work out. It just seems to me to be a logical question, and I'm not saying that he won't be that guy. I'm not saying that he won't be a future star, but I think it's fair to pose the question. So if listeners, Doc, want more information about the information that you have to share, what is the best way to get it for them to find? Uh, if you go to Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, be it for fantasy purposes, gambling purposes, props, we put health scores on individuals, teams, teams run offenses against the other teams run defenses, etc. And it's information and for you to make your own better incisions. So Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. So whether you're betting on the NFL postseason, college hoops, or both, because why not, WinBet has you covered. 
Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has that too. It's all right there for your WinBet app. And WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you know I found myself a guest. He is a running back with the 49ers, coming off a really big year. Five 100-yard rushing games this season. 963 rushing yards and five TDs, and he did all that damage in only 11 games this year. 1,100 yards from scrimmage. He was a three-time all-conference selection in college. He was the 194th pick overall in last year's draft at Louisiana. Elijah Mitchell is my guest. Elijah, i got to be honest, man. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. It's great to see you. How are you doing, and how is life right now? I'm doing good, and thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you. Now, you had an amazing individual season, and there were a lot of times where the team was struggling. They were banged up. They were injured. Seems to me there would have been a lot of ways for the team to say, you know what, man, it's not meant to be. It's just not our year. But that culture didn't really allow for that. How would you describe the culture and the toughness within that locker room? The guys never did give in or let go of the rope. Uh, really, uh, it's a brotherhood in there. Uh, everybody being leaders and just we, we just stuck to what we know best and like I said, we came from three and five to to the uh, NFC Championship, so it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was an amazing run. When you were three and five, what were you personally thinking about the team in the season at that point? I'm like, man, we have too much talent on this team not to be able to go all the way. And like I said, we turned it around, and and we had an amazing season. Elijah Mitchell, my guest. So as I mentioned, you set the 49ers rookie record for rushing yards in a season, and you did it in only 11 games. You did it while battling through some injuries. When you look back on your first year, what kind of thoughts do you have about your season and how you played? Uh, like I say, I, I wish, I feel like I could have done better, way better than what I did, even though I had a lot of success. But uh, uh, like you said, playing injured and stuff, that's not always good. But uh, I'm, I'm ready to heal up and get ready for 2022. Elijah Mitchell, my guest. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I see you working, and if you feel like you could have done more, I'm sure you think you could have done more, but that transition from college to the NFL is not easy. It's not easy. You made it look easy. I know you'll say to me, oh, no, hold up now. It's not easy. <laughs> but you made it look pretty seamless. How would you explain that, and what was the transition like for you? Uh, transition, it, it was okay. Uh, like I say, you got to go in there with that mindset of uh, working hard, and every day you got to bring it. So um, that's what I did. And like I say, it wasn't easy, but uh, at the end of the day, it's football, and you've been doing that since you were small. So. So what's the most challenging thing about it other than staying healthy? Uh, like I say, our offense is very difficult. <laughs> we got a lot of moving going around. You got to line up and stuff, different places. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I did pretty well, but I just got to build on next year. Elijah Mitchell, my guess, that offense that you mentioned, obviously, is state-of-the-art. I mean, that is the standard. That's what everybody else is trying to run. 
What is it like being in that offense for you? It's, it is a complicated offense, but once you kind of get your head wrapped around it and you have a good understanding of it, what's it like to be in that offense? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, like I said, Kyle and uh, Mike McDaniel, they did a very good job. Uh, they put you in a position to run the ball, and our O-line, our whole offense really is unbelievable. So uh, we have 11 guys working hard for you, and that's why I have most of my success. Elijah Mitchell, my guest, you mentioned Mike McDaniel. The Dolphins have named him as their head coach. What was he like to play for, and how do you think he'll do as a head coach? Uh, he's, he, he is awesome. He's going to do great as being a head coach. Uh, he's smart, and then the creativity you have for the offense, it just puts you in good positions, and, man, it's, it, it was awesome. I can tell you like him. I, I, I don't know him well. I've never spoken to him, but I've been watching him closely since he got that gig. I love this dude, man. I, I think he's great. Like, yeah. I love what he's saying. I love the, his vibe, the way he comes off. Like, what was he like as a coach and as a dude? He really, he's very chill. Like, he's very chill, but uh, when he has something to tell you, he, he always brings that fire when he tells you something. So that just makes you want to go and go crazy. He's funny, right? Like, the dude's kind of quirky. Yeah, he definitely like, like, is. Like, he does not look. I don't want to say, like, again, I don't know what an NFL coach is supposed to look like, but if you were to peek that dude out on the street, you would not go, oh, yo, oh, homeboy over there, he's an NFL head coach You would not sure. think. You would not think, but that's the good thing about it. Like, that's what makes it so awesome about it. I love him. Elijah Mitchell is joining us. You know, I want to say something like you and I are sitting here and your, your humility is coming out very, very obviously. But you're a physical player now, a really physical player. And I say this, Trent Williams said for once that you ran into him in a game against the Bears. You know, some of that friendly fire, that's going to happen. He said, yeah, that'll happen. But it never felt like that before. Only once when Adrian Peterson ran me over in college. Like, what does that comparison mean to you? And then where does that running power come from? Man, for him to say that, uh, that's unbelievable. Uh, like I say, uh, Adrian Peterson, he was an awesome running back and still is. But uh, uh, for him to say that, that, that means a lot to me. And being a, a hard runner, it makes you want to run hard. That's what you want to be known as so people can feel you. So aside from AP, like when you were coming up and you were, you know, making a name for yourself, who were some of the guys in the NFL running backs that you looked up to? Man, one running back uh, – that I look up to. Well, he's he's not that far ahead of me, but uh, Alvin Kamara, yeah. just the way he, well, just the way he do. He had a bad weekend, unfortunately. But. Man, yeah, yeah. But just the way he does stuff, like the balance, catching the ball at the backfield, he can do everything. He's a he's an all-around back, and that's someone. That's something you want to be in the NFL. Elijah Mitchell is my guest. Now you play in the Sun Belt, and you were a sixth-round pick in last year's draft. Do you feel like you were overlooked coming out of college? And did that fuel and motivate you at all this year? Uh, definitely uh, was overlooked. Uh, but like I said, you can't worry about that. I'm happy to be drafted, and I'm happy that I had the opportunity to do what I did this year. But uh, like I said, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's always about who's going to put in work at the end of the day. Right, so you're not going to let it drag you down. You're not going to not try. But at the same time, did it motivate you, and will it continue to motivate you oh, yeah, going it, forward? It's definitely. Uh, I always say put a chip on your shoulder, but uh, really it puts a chip in your heart. I mean, nobody could take it. So uh, that's one thing that I always believe in. And yeah, I've done this a long, long time. That's why I raise my eyebrows on you. I've always, guys always talk about having a chip on their shoulder, which I think is good. I've, I've always thought that was good. I've never thought that anybody got anywhere without a chip on their shoulder. But I've never heard anybody say they had a chip in their heart. What's the, what's the difference? It's crazy uh, because I talked to a vet, uh, uh, Sanu uh, Mo. We call him Mo. Uh, he's a vet. Uh, he played for the Falcons a while, and he played with us this year. And I had a conversation with him. He was like, man, don't say a chip on your shoulder because somebody can always take that from you. But if you have a chip in your heart, nobody can take that from you. It's always going to be there. 
I love that. Yeah, I love man. that. I've never heard I that before. I loved it when yeah, he told me that, I think it's too. really interesting that that dude said that, too. Yeah, he's awesome. I, I love Mo. You like the way he prepares, the way he works? What's he like? Definitely. He's awesome. He, just the way he practices, he's always finishing. That's just something that you want to do. And just looking up to him, man, he's, he taught me a lot this year. Elijah Mitchell is my guest. Let me ask you about your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. The thinking, the thinking seems to be that he's going to move on and Trey Lance will be the guy next season. How do you think, is that the sense you get? And if that's the case, how do you think Lance will do as a starting quarterback? Uh, yeah, that's the sense I get. But uh, uh, Trey, like I say, he, he has a lot to learn, but he's going to be, he's going to be awesome. And I know he's going to ground this offseason, and it's going to be an un- unbelievable year for us. I mean, his offseason obviously is going to be really, really important to him. You know, I, I'm not there. Most of us aren't there. Could you see any improvement in him this year as he was waiting his turn and trying to get ready? Yes, he was very – uh, just by seeing him, he was very locked in, and he was, he always asking questions, always being prepared like he's going to play. So that's big when it comes down to that. We're talking to Elijah Mitchell. We're covering a lot of ground. So let me ask you one thing about Jimmy. Jimmy took some heat. Jimmy took some criticism. But I've talked to a lot of your teammates. Man, they love him. Everybody I talk to loves Jimmy. In your opinion, what's he like as a teammate and a quarterback? Man, Jimmy just has a, a teammate. Uh, Jimmy, he's unbelievable. He's always, things going bad in the game, he's being a leader. He's pumping us up. He's always positive about it. His head's never down. And, yes, uh, people don't give him enough credit. He's an awesome quarterback, and I love Jimmy. Like, why, why, why do you think that is? Like, why? I mean, the guy went to the Super Bowl, went to a couple of championship games. Why do you think that he doesn't get more credit? I don't know, to be honest with you. Like, I, I don't see – well, people are not inside with us. They don't know everything, so everybody going to say what they want to say. But at the end of the day, Jimmy's an awesome quarterback. 49er Elijah Mitchell is just kicking it, hanging out with us on the row. Now, you played your college ball at Louisiana for my guy, Billy Napier. I've always enjoyed talking to him. What was he like to play for? Man, he was awesome. He's a very smart coach, and I have to give it to him. He put me in the right position to make it to the NFL, so I'm, I'm very grateful for him. All right, I should have hit this off the top so people would understand – who they were listening to, but as some people know, not everybody, you're from Erath, Louisiana. How would you describe Erath? Like, how big is that town, and what was it like for you to grow up there? Uh, Erath is very small, uh, 3A school, about 1,200. How many stoplights? Oh, not that many. (laughs) (laughs) About one or two in the town. Right. But, uh, nah, man, it's very small, but I love it to death. I love my hometown. How big was your high school? Uh, Ooh, not that big, not that big, not big at all to be honest with you. That's a small town. Yeah, small now, town. Your coaches have always raved about your parents, Milton Penny, and the influence they had on you. What have you learned from them along the way? Uh, that's one thing about them. Uh, they, they taught me well, right from wrong. Uh, they always telling me what to do. And, like, when I was small, or like, just growing up uh, in middle school, I would never get to go anywhere, like, talking about it. I never got it. But I knew why they wanted me to focus on my, my grades and sports and if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be in the position I am now that's probably one of those examples where they you didn't like it at the time and they probably were saying one day you will thank us one day you will Definitely. thank us and probably you do every single day now right every single day let me ask Very you this you rushed for more than 4,000 yards and 50 <laughs> touchdowns in high school but your head coach told the Mercury News that you did some amazing things quote he was just the kind of kid that took care of everybody of all the players I've ever coached he's the most humble no doubt. So where does the humility come from? Over time. Over time it came. But uh, like I say. Uh, Were you not always like that? I wasn't always like that. Like I was really to myself, to be honest with you. But uh, over time, it's like, man, you got to let loose sometimes. But uh, like I say, I, I helped everybody. Like I, I loved everybody on the team. I don't care if you didn't play. I'll talk to you because that, that takes you a long way.
Right, so let me ask you this, if you're up for it, like as an example of you took care of everybody, you've got a friend named Eddie. And for those who don't know, Eddie's got Down syndrome. And the two of you became really, really close, really, really good friends. How did you first meet Eddie? And then what's he like? Eddie is awesome. Uh, met him at school, but Eddie, he's awesome. Uh, that's my guy that after we come in from a possession on the field, he is always on the sideline. So he would come sit by me and talk to me. No matter if I was tired, uh, he would come up with a conversation to get my mind off everything, and I'd go back on the field. But Eddie, he's, he's awesome, man. He's always laughing, and he'd like to have a good time. Just now, I want to be clear about this. You, you were a future college and NFL star. You could act like the big man on campus. Eddie says you're his best friend. <laughs> Eddie's mom raves about what you've meant to him. Like, why is that relationship so important to you? It's important to me because, like I say, Eddie, man, he's just, he's amazing. He's never down. Like, he's, he's always happy, and that's why I like to surround myself by happy people. So, Eddie, he, he do a lot. And uh, one time we did uh, a thing. He loved wrestling. So uh, our, our senior class got together and got him a, a wrestling belt. And that day, he, he absolutely loved it, man. He absolutely loved it. That's such a great gesture by you. Did he ever get onto the field? you guys ever run a play for him? We definitely did. What happened? Uh, he scored on it, everybody. We told the other team about it. But that was the best time in his life for him to score a touchdown. So the other team was involved, too. That's great. Like They got it. They <laughs> took part. Yeah, that probably part. was his best day ever, right? That was his best day ever for right, him so to be on the field with us. I think that's an amazing story. It says so much about you. So finally, lay it out for me. What's the rest of your offseason look like? Uh, really just healing up uh, and getting ready to uh, train like I never did before and going to 2022. I got to ask you one more thing. Like, I'm, I'm a California native. I'm from Southern California. You're from Erath, very, very small town. I mean, there's always going to be an adjustment no matter what, when you go away to college, when you go to the NFL. What was the adjustment like coming to California? Oh, it was hard. It was very hard being from a small town. I've never been anywhere before. So, uh it was very different, but I got used to it, and I love it. I love it. Uh, it looks like you acclimated really well, my man. Elijah, really nice to have you on the show. Like I said at the top, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. It lived up to the hype. Really good to see you, man. Thanks for making time, and I really enjoyed that. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Great seeing you, Elijah Mitchell. It's a fine young man right there. Yes, sir. <laughs> good night.